0: Uh, I'm a farmer, I'm a mechanic, I'm a chemist, I'm a plumber. Um, pretty much the farming these days, you know, you encompass every single role. I mean, I'm sat here now in the middle of a 500 acre farm. The sun's just come up about two hours ago. I've got blue horizon all around me. You know, it's from a workplace environment. It's just amazing.
1: Welcome to the job speakers podcast. My name is Robert Hendrickson and every week I explore a new job with a new guest whose personal career journeys and lessons learned could very well change your life. This week's guest Guy Avril, is a big catch uh, for me in the podcast. When I started this, I just wanted to make sure that I could represent jobs from all sectors being done by people of all types. And I always considered farming a profession I wanted to cover, but I didn't know anyone uh, directly who, who did it. Thanks to a mutual acquaintance, I was introduced to Guy, and what follows is, to me anyway, an intriguing interview, not just about the day in and day out of farming and what that looks like, but also the all the other responsibilities, skills, and knowledge that are needed to do it well, and what you might expect from any job with a lot of responsibility, uh, the other things that need to be balanced. Work-life balance, stress, managing those things you can control, managing not to worry too much about those things you can't. And again, in farming, with things like weather, (laughs) you know, COVID, there are more than a fair share of things that, that you'll hear Guy talk about not being able to control, but he tells us what he did about those things. And how he adjust it. Anyway, you're about to hear from someone who absolutely loves what he does, and we get the benefit of really healthy, uh, great food on our tables. I hope you enjoy it. Good morning, Guy. Welcome to the podcast. Good morning. Can you please share what you do for a living?
0: Yes. I run a watercrest farm, so I'm a farmer. But uh, I, it's slightly more complex being a farmer in this day and age than normal. Uh, I'm a farmer, I'm a mechanic, I'm a chemist, I'm a plumber. Um, pretty much the farming these days, you, know, you encompass every single role. Um, the business that I run is Watercress Farms. So we actually grow watercress, which is a type of salad. Um, and this particular business, we ship to Europe uh, primarily. So, we actually grow our products and fly it back for the winter supply for the grocery stores over there. Um, watercress itself is our specialty crop, which is a type of salad, but it grows in, um, it's a marginal plant. So, it grows in streams and creeks in the wild. So, we actually run uh, about 250 artificial rivers that are about a third of an acre each. So, the crop grows in running water. Uh, it's, it's actually the oldest crop grown by man, the Egyptians planted it when they were growing when they were growing when they were building the pyramids. And Hippocrates is shown to have grown it around his first hospital in Crete for its blood cleansing properties. So it's quite a crazy crop. It's one of the oldest say crops in recorded history. Um, and it's grown all over the world. Uh, every continent apart from the Antarctic
1: so many questions but let me start (laughs) let me start with some basics how many acres uh, does your farm take up
0: so we're here in florida we have a 500 acre farm um and of that 500 acres we have about 200 acres of actual production sites and about 300 acres of preserve and wetlands so Another another role of us as a farmer these days, we're also environmentalists. Um, we've learned that, you, you know, over many years, you can't just go around depleting the resources that are available to you. Uh, so we actually have quite an active environmental campaign as part of our business. So we we're a steward for the wetlands because that's where ultimately our water comes from but it also gives habitat to a lot of our beneficial predators. We don't just want to go around. People have a view of image of farmers spraying willy-nilly and killing everything that flies, floats, or moves. Um, And especially at the moment, people are on a big thing about how we're going to kill all the bees and cause the end of mankind. Whereas actually, um, agrochemicals are very, very expensive and farmers are very, very tight-fisted. We don't like to spend our money. So um, we try to get the environment around us to do everything we can to help us. So by having all of by having all of our beneficial species, all of our predators, right the way from the smallest bug up to sort of for us in Florida, Florida panthers, even, uh, we want the whole food chain to work because whatever eats our you know, our enemies are. Our enemy's friend is our friend. Oh, sorry, our enemy's enemy is our friend. Should I say? So we want um, as much natural help as we can get. So uh, again, huge, huge cross section of things we have to understand with what we do. So you're the owner of the farm, correct? Um, I actually am not. I run the farm. Um, it's owned by an English company. So, um, but I'm the president here, and I've been I've been at the farm here for 20 years. Now, in fact, I came over in 2000, so in my 21st year.
1: How many employees uh, do you have? How many workers full-time and part-time do you need to, to run the farm? <laughs> well,
0: that's so at our peak, um, we will have um, up to eight full-time and about 15 part-time. Uh, currently, with COVID, we are in a reduced production cycle, so we're actually producing less this year. So we have fewer staff. So we have, uh, let me see, six full-time staff and four part-time staff. But we're producing about 50% of what we normally
1: would. I grew up in rural Connecticut, and dairy farming was fairly prevalent there or used to be. And I knew um, some kids who, who farmed, and every time I would... I would see and and talk to farmers. My first thought was, you have to get up really, really early. My second thought was, it's backbreaking. And my third was, why in the world would anyone ever want to become a farmer? What's your response to that?
0: Um, Those those are very good questions, very good observations. Um, It is definitely um, a vocation you know, it is something you have to love to do. Um, I mean, I'm sat here now in the middle of a 500 acre farm. The sun's just come up about two hours ago. I've got blue horizon all around me. Workplace environment, it's just amazing. You know, it's it's fresh air. It's um, It allows you to be very close to nature and I grew up in a rural community in a similar sort of way in England. Um, and I knew that I enjoyed being outside. I knew that, you know, there was a certain draw to it. Um, it's not easy, as you say. With I'm lucky our crops, are, because I'm not an animal farmer, my crops aren't too worried about what time of day they get fed. So we don't have to get up super early. But because we supply into Europe and they've got a five-hour head start on us, Uh, my phone does start ringing at sort of 4.30 in the morning if I don't turn it off. So uh, I get an alarm call and 20 emails to start my day. But um, it really is, um, it's a vocation. You have to, once people have been involved in farming and the countryside and agriculture, it's sort of, it's a bug. It gets you. You... um, you get so much reward. And it's it's a job where you see a product from start to finish, you plant a seed, you harvest, you grow, you look after it, you harvest it, you know, you many people don't get to see the fruits of their labor, uh, so to speak. So it's, uh, it's a vacation. And I, you know, it, it's very, very varied. You know, as I say, you wake up every single day is a different challenge. There is you know, it, it isn't just a routine nine to five job. And there's, um, and there's a lot to be said for that. It keeps you, uh, it definitely keeps you mentally uh, alert. It is hard work, but um, it's a lot less backbreaking than it used to be. You know, we, we really embrace technology wherever we can. um, Because work smarter, not harder is, you know, is very much key. So You know, there's an amazing amount of technology, Um, you know, our farm equipment is, you know, people sort of have a view of farmers being fairly simple folks. Um, But, you know, when your average tractor costs 80 to $150,000, you know, you're, you're talking about a lot of money for a lot of technology. They have a lot more bells and whistles than most people's cars. Um, And again, for us, we have very specialist harvesting equipment that we've designed and built in house. Um, again, to do jobs that were done manually 100 years ago. So it's it's all part of the uh, allure, allure of it, really, is there are so many different things you do. Um, and depending on your interests, my I love the variedness of it, and I run the whole business. I have an assistant manager who is very much into... He's much more mechanically minded and loves the mechanical side of things. So he loves the fact he's got these machines that break and need need constantly tending to. Um, another member of my staff is very much um, more scientifically based, and he, you know, he worked for me for many years. He came from a crop advising background where he was selling chemicals and advising farmers. So he loved nothing more than spend all day walking around the farm looking for bugs. so you there are so many varied you know it's not not everybody does the same job each day um so yeah that's uh it's there's a lot of variability to what you do um but yeah that's that's why you know why i love it and what there is there's so many opportunities you know just to make um as i say to achieve things it really is. Um, it's a job where you you achieve something, and when it go when it goes when it goes well, it is an amazing feeling. It can be very disheartening when it goes wrong, you know. And we can't sort of um, we can't control the weather. If we could, farmers would be very happy. But that's probably our biggest enemy. Is uh, you know you can't stop a sudden Arctic, you know, a polar vortex or an Arctic blast in Florida um, that can cause a lot of problems. So. It's, um, it has its challenges. It's not, it isn't all sunshine and uh, rainbows.
1: You said when it goes well, and then you answered my, my next question about what the biggest risk is. And it sounds like it's the weather, but you said when it goes, well, it goes really well. You had a big smile on your face. What were you thinking when you, when you said that?
0: Uh, to be honest, I was actually thinking about the crop that we're harvesting right now. Um, it is absolutely beautiful. Today's harvest is being cut to fly out to the UK tomorrow. Um, and it is the beds are perfectly level, they're disease-free, they're pest free. We're cutting them on the perfect conditions. It's a beautiful, it's a beautiful sunny morning, but it's not too hot. Um, so when I see the crop coming off like that, you just think, wow, we've we've taken this tiny piece of seed, which is the size of a grain of sand almost, and produced this amazing crop. Um, and it's it's all gone to plan without any catastrophes. So uh, that that's another sort of thing that puts a smile on your face. Um, and I love to um, show people what we do and expand on that. You know, it's um, it's very rewarding to know that you're doing your job right, and you can see you can see it. There's proof of what you're doing.
1: When you think about your work and your role. How, how do you compartmentalize the business side of it and the more pure farming side? Is that a balancing act that you need to handle pretty much on a daily basis?
0: Um,
1: yeah, there is. I
0: mean, there are, there is definitely unique demands because as you say, you do have to compartmentalize the what is ideal and what has to happen. Um, and also it's, you know, from, a we are at the end of the day producing food. So we have a tremendous amount of responsibility to ensure that it is safe to eat and healthful and it is what it says in the tin effectively. Um, so there's many, many complex sort of streams that come into what goes out at the end of the day, the smile on my face is just seeing the stuff grow and actually harvesting it and achieving it. Um, knowing that I've organized logistics for it to fly transatlantic tomorrow, um, incorporating all of the U S food laws, U- English food laws, European food laws, uh, airport security screening, just, you know, all of these levels of things. It's, um, there's a lot to make it work. Um, and there are days when things go wrong and it is very, very hard work, very disheartening. And, Something seemingly simple can cause you, you know, the great deal of headaches. It can be something as simple as a a customs a, a customs person at the airport deciding they don't like the paperwork because they're new to this role and haven't seen it. Uh, which can, you know, I had a couple of weeks ago, and it caused me, you know, four or five hours of having to call around and try to get somebody to override their decisions based on you know, and this is, of course, Christmas, because it's always around the holidays, things go wrong. So there's always, um, you know, I guess you have to enjoy the job as it has to be a vocation. you, I think people know very quickly, whether they're going to enjoy it or not. um, And the level at which you are involved. You know, it's very different. I run a farm. Um, It's a multi-million dollar business, and I run it. And it's not my dollar, but obviously I treat it like every every last cent of it is mine, Um, because I have to. I'm I'm the be-all and end-all that's in the business here in the U.S. So it's um, in an ideal world, I would have new equipment every year, and I would have you know. 10 more staff and all of these things. Uh, and it's a balancing act. As you say, you have to balance, um, being fiscally responsible as well as ensuring that it's all done, you know, everything's grown and produced and traceable. So yeah, this, I don't know. It's, it is, it used to take me, I had to learn to compartmentalize, I had to learn to at what point to turn off. Um, and like with every other everything else now you also have to learn how to stop the electronic sort of interference you know that you have there's a point at which I have to turn my phone off and stop reading my emails you know at night and you know, when I get home because otherwise it is 24 7 365
1: days a year which is um,
0: you know but I think that's I think that's the same for everybody
1: you've done this for 20 years you said. If you yes. had, if you had to select one thing that you're just a lot better at today than you were back then, what would that be?
0: Oh gosh. Um I think you just I think I just answered in my last question. Uh learning at which point to turn work off. You know, learning to uh, compartmentalize the work day. Um, 20 years ago, well 10 years ago, I would lay in lay in bed at night listening to the rain on the roof thinking what consequences that was going to have for my next day. And, um, it's, you know, you have, you have to learn to uh, roll with the punches and know when to, uh, when to understand what is something you can, uh, have any effect on.
1: What do you think contributed to that realization? Was it just getting older and wiser or was there something that happened that made a light go off for you? Um,
0: Actually, I think primarily um, it was talking to people, um, having a, a sort of a therapist and somebody outside of my industry, being able to talk to somebody outside of my business and outside of my family, um, a sort of a, and having that sort of someone coaching you and is critically important. And, it's, and again, as as I get older, I've learned that coaching from outside of the business is really, really important. Um, and it's something like farming where mental health is a huge issue. Uh, farmers have, you know, there's there's a big stigma with farming. You know, it, it is can be very, very stressful and very isolating. Um, it took somebody from outside of the business talking to me and saying, you know, you have to, you know, what what do you gain from trying to fortune tell? <laughs> um, and learning how to manage, um, my own headspace, because it's, you know, many, especially with agriculture, it can be very, very isolating. You can be surrounded with people, but it's a very isolating industry. So, um, getting coaching, getting, um, talking to people outside of your direct sort of industry and family uh, was very, was critical to me. Um, really, really very, um, A seminal moment was like a real light bulb went off of like, oh my God, you know, this has to, you have to um, be able to put things in perspective. So that's probably probably a bit of a long-winded answer for you, I'm afraid.
1: It's important though, I think, as we all figure out answers to those sorts of challenges as we balance work with personal commitments. Gosh, COVID has certainly brought a lot of stress and difficulty to
0: people, so... No, absolutely. Um, you know, and that if there is um, there is still a, there's such a big stigma about um, getting help, about talking. Uh, again, especially with especially with men, uh, we're not good at it. We don't like to talk about things. We don't like to, you know, tell anybody anything. It's you know, it is critically important. Um, it makes just a tremendous difference. And as I, have, having had ten years of not knowing any better and youthful inexperience. Um, now I can sort of, um, I can take the rough a lot. I can take the, I can take the rough with the smooth and it's a lot better.
1: Well said and being a leader, sometimes people don't realize half of that can often be uh, being vulnerable, right. And asking for help. And that sounds like what you did.
0: Absolutely. No, it's, it's very, very much. So, you know, you have to, um, you know, you can deal with day to day stuff. And as you say, you have to lead and be strong and give people direction. But you do know which point you have to ask and you have to stop and uh, evaluate things, because you can very, very quickly find yourself going into uh, into a corner or down into a dark hole, which doesn't help anybody.
1: So I want to go back to watercress, and you managed in the intro to probably tell tell our listeners a whole number of things they would have never known about it but here's my question you you farm and grow watercress and then it gets shipped to england it sounds like that's where it's all going do you ever have the opportunity to see it not literally but figuratively on the tables of the people who enjoy eating what you grow
0: uh well ironic i do um and i have to sort of the pre pre-covid i would say as the precursor to this would be uh my mom uh loves to annoy the hell out of every grocery store cashier she ever sees so when it when our watercress is shipped it's shipped and it would say product to the us and it would have a batch code and my mom knows enough after 20 years what our batch codes are she'll sort of take it to the checkout say my son drew this uh so that's you know and it's it is always rewarding. Um, it's so I do get to see it um, in our the, we ship about we as a business, we provide about 60% of the UK's watercress, um, which is, you know, a lot sometimes, you know, probably at the moment, even more than that. Um, we do we are, we have been supplying into the US as well. Uh, we've been working with a company in New York a packer up there for the last two years. So we've been supplying into the U.S. mostly up into the New York area, but again, it's it's very satisfying when you actually see it on the shelf, or you know, and you can you see it in a packet. You know, I I send it out in great big boxes and uh, you know, wave it goodbye. But uh, yeah, I love I love to see it. Um, I get a bit compulsive about it. I drive my wife nuts when we go to when we go to England on vacation. You know, if we go into the grocery store, I'm I'm looking at the salad aisle. I'm a bit salad obsessed, but um, that's just the uh, that just comes with the job. I'm afraid.
1: Is the demand for watercress higher than than ever? I think about uh, just a general trend toward healthy eating over the last decade. Has that has that uh, manifested itself in more demand for what your farm produces?
0: Um, It has. It's a funny thing. I mean, obviously, again, COVID has caused just complete mayhem because people are changing the way they shop um, and the way they interact with their food. Uh, It's having some positive aspects, but it's also people are less hands-on. For our UK markets, um, 90% of people are grocery shopping online. So they're getting their food delivered. So unless they're already thinking about it, ordering it, they don't put it in their cart. Traditionally, it was much easier when people were in the store, they saw this lovely fresh bag and went, oh, well, you know, I'll have that. Uh, We had a lot of interaction with, um, we sort of marketed watercress as a commodity rather than as our own business so that we would help get it with celebrity chefs or get it into newspapers and magazines so people were aware of it. So that sort of is one way things have changed. But health benefits are definitely um you know it is we're finding with the millennials being the new sort of key market um it's millennials millennial women 25 they're 25 to 30 are sort of the key grocery shoppers for new decisions now so they're the, you know um so targeting that group of people who didn't have any culinary education, they had nothing at school, no home ec. Um, Often, you know, there's really two generations that have not cooked at home because of convenience foods. So we are very active in, you know, trying to use things like Pinterest and social media and trying to get our products electronically in front of those, those markets, because that's where they look at what they're going to eat, what's going to be good for me. Um, so, it's very different. It's very, very different. I mean, the health benefits sell themselves as a product. It has, um, has more iron than spinach, pound for pound, more calcium than milk, and more vitamin C than oranges. So, it's an incredibly healthy salad product or healthful. Um, and we're doing, uh, we, we take part in a number of scientific studies and work with a number of universities around the world, um, actually looking at the scientific health benefits. There's been a number of um, uh, research papers done on the anti-cancer benefits of it, or cancer recovery, because it's the the chemicals that are in it are the same as in broccoli. It's a dark green leafy veg, sort of isocyanates, and that's why everyone says you know eat broccoli, it's really good for you, and you always see eat dark dark green leafy veg. Well, watercress is the on the FDA's. Uh, scale, which is called the Nutrient Density Index, the NDI, Uh, watercress scores a 1000 points out of a 1000 for its nutrients per gram or ounce. Whereas raw broccoli is close, that's sort of 900. And kale, the the wonder food is, you know, way down there, that's down at sort of 700, 600. So, you know, on a scale of foods, it it really is a superfood with a tremendous amount of historical sort of um historical anecdotal proof so that's sort of a one a way that we sell it is you know it is this sort of the benefits of it it is just but it also tastes amazing uh when you actually try it it has a peppery flavor that's similar to arugula and those are the isocyanates that's the peppery flavor in it is what gives it the um it's is what is its healthful benefits So it's uh, it's quite unusual.
1: It it dawns on me as we're talking that your job is is most certainly not transactional. You don't just see yourself as the guy who grows something and ships it. You're actually passionate about what it is you're growing and about what good it does. And I'm guessing it's a question that ties into why you love your job. Yes, yes. As I said to
0: you before, it is it's a vocation. You know, you have to love what you do. Um, You know, most people, you know. Do their job because they decided to do it, or they, you know, people who love their job love their job. You know, there's many people who don't love their job, and I understand that entirely. And there are days when I definitely don't love my job, but um, it is the bigger picture. Yeah, I absolutely, I know. Um, and I think farming and agriculture and horticulture, I think all of it is very similar. You know, you have to, there is a time commitment in it. You are growing something, you are producing something that, um, that when it leaves is not just another set of nuts and bolts, you know, it's not a production line, although it is, um, you know, in many modern farming is sort of production based and you schedule and plan, you still sort of, there's a loss, you, you put a bit into each and every one, every box you send every plant that goes out. So, um, I don't think it's, it's not unique to my business. Um, it's unique to the scale of my business. Uh, if you were working in a meat packing plant, you wouldn't feel the same way. But you're not growing that. I mean, you know, if uh, my neighbours are dairy farms, and you know, I know they are, you know, very passionate about their production from start to finish. We have the calf unit next door where they're rearing their stock for their next herd. You know, and it's, um, I think, throughout agriculture in all of its aspects, and not just what I do. You have to be invested in it, you know you you have whether it's financially or just you know uh, emotionally you are you're tied to what you do.
1: What did you do before you became what you are today, running a large farm uh,
0: so I lived in the countryside I grew up in rural England, right in the middle of England. Um, and I was very fortunate where I where I grew up. I was say in the countryside, and I got to see all sort of aspects of farming and rural life. Uh, so I actually, from high school, I went to university and did a degree in agriculture and marketing. Um, and I did agricultural marketing, and then I specialised in or sort of minored in food safety because um, I knew I wanted to work in in the field <laughs> of agriculture, but. Um, sorry, I got some bad jokes in there. I got some bad jokes to go with it. Uh, (laughs) I knew I wanted to be out in the farming environment. Um, I was fortunate enough, my degree allowed me to have a year in industry as part of my degree course. So halfway through my degree, I went off to um, work for a salad company, which had a company in the UK and one in Spain. So I spent six months in the south of England growing lettuce and baby leaf crops, spring mix. But then I got to go to Spain and live in Spain for six months doing the same thing. Um, and then I got the bug. I realized that I was um, I was hooked and I wanted to work outside the UK. I wanted to be stay in agriculture um, and do a similar kind of thing. And I was fortunate enough that uh, this job came up and I, I applied for this job as sort of a, a bit of a, I don't know, just a, a shot in the dark. I didn't know what watercress was particularly, but I knew a salad and I, you know, it was pre Google. So I had no idea where my city, Florida is, which um, I was thinking margaritas on the beach, I was a little bit mistaken, but uh, you can Google it and find out why. <laughs> um, and, um, and I've basically been here ever since I came out here as for two years on a just a two year contract as a Sort of assistant manager um, to help set get the farm developed and put their food safety program in place because I'd minored in food safety and every we have to be able to trace our crops from the basically the individual seed batch all the way to the grocery store shelf and we have to be able to tell you what's happened to it on every step of the way how it was treated fed if it was had chemicals applied who harvested it did the person wash their hands who were they trained to wash their hands by so on and so forth so i i started off um, putting that into place which again 20 years ago was quite a challenge um food safety was not on anyone's radar there hadn't been any major food scares um so in the states it was it was, it was good it was again it was a different facets what i was doing it was a challenge trying to uh Put things in place here to make the systems match with Europe, and um, and now, twenty years later, the U.S. food safety model is becoming, you know, is a world leader. So it's it's quite interesting. You know, for me, I've seen the whole thing do a full circle, um, and now I'm being challenged. Twenty years ago, I was challenging people, and you know, being looked at like I was a lunatic. What do you mean you need color-coded brushes for cleaning? Well, you can't clean the restrooms with the same brush you use to clean the cold stores. Uh, and literally, people thought I was nuts. And now that is, you know, number one rule in every restaurant you go to. Every If you walked into the kitchen, you'd see they have different cleaning utensils, color-coded. So I guess I came into it from almost straight from college, having worked in the industry for a year, and then um, – my role just changed and developed through the business and I set the food safety and technical up and then uh, I became vice president and then six years, six or seven years ago, I became president of the business here and, uh, and run the whole thing. So
1: well done. Well I done. sort of
0: it's this has been my life.
1: We're almost to the end, but I do have a couple other segments for you. One is a quick answer segment where I'm going to ask you a question and have you just provide a quick answer. Are you ready? Sure.
0: Yep, absolutely.
1: Hardest thing about your job?
0: Uh, Getting up in the morning.
1: Easiest thing about your job?
0: I'm I'm writing the payroll for staff.
1: One thing you would tell someone if they tapped your shoulder and said, hey, I think I want to do what you do. Make it real for me, what's the one thing I need to know?
0: You have to understand that it is, it's, you know, it has its ups and downs and you have to be mentally prepared.
1: The last time you had watercress uh, on your dinner table?
0: I had it for breakfast, if that counts.
1: You're a true believer, I love it. Okay, final, final question, one I ask all my guests. As you reflect on your career journey, from the beginning until now, if you were to consider all of that and provide career advice for the world to hear based on your experiences, what would that career advice be?
0: It would be that you have to continue to learn by continuing education once you're in a role, just you have to continue, keep learning, keep keep taking courses and learning things and expanding your knowledge. You never know enough, and you never know everything.
1: Guy, thank you for your time. I know my listeners can't see this, but guy is in his car in the middle of his fields, and I had a chance to see what that looked like when, uh, when we started, and I'd asked guy to provide some photos so you guys would get a chance to see the farm and guy in it doing his work uh, when I you know get this, get this podcast announced out you know by Facebook and Instagram and everything else. So guy, thank you so much.: oh, my pleasure. Thank you, Guy, for telling us what you do, how you managed to do it so well, and the lessons you learned along the way. I think as a society, we may be all a little guilty of taking farmers for granted. Food is so easy to go and buy. We can walk into the grocery store and walk out. But behind every package that lands in our cart is a story of someone who's running a business, maybe farming like Guy is, and doing everything possible to provide a safe and nutritious food we can all enjoy. So if you happen to be in the farming business, thank you for what you do. If you happen to know someone in the farming business, tell that farmer that you appreciate what he or she does. In next week's episode, we pivot. Away from farming and toward being a dental hygienist. I don't know about you, but as much as I can't see myself farming, I certainly can't see myself doing what dental hygienists do, you know, probing and cleaning teeth belonging to someone else. So, you know, there are some stories there and you know, I'll ask the questions to find out what those are. I can't wait to have you back next week. Until then, be safe, be good, be well, and goodbye.